Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football. Yes, Vikings vent line. Don't forget this weekend. It's back to a noon game for the Vikings. So you'll find Manny Hill and myself, powered by Lucky's Thirteen, taking calls after the game. Uh, Purple Podcast is a daily occurrence now on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Collar Sage Rosenfels, uh, Purple Live on Tuesday night. So if you're looking for Vikings hashtag content, Judd Zolgad, I think fifteen hundred ESPN dot com is a pretty good place. To you're go. covered definitely. Yes, and uh, Matthew Collar is uh, one of the main creators of said hashtag content. And you've got a piece. People can go check this out in written form. We'd love to hear you explain some of the highlights. You dove deep into the Vikings game management this season so far. What did you find? What stands out to you? Well, using uh, some analytics, uh, looking into the win probability calculator on Pro Football Reference. Which which I would say that every team should have some version of, and if they don't, then they're failing their team. That they should be studying situations and win probabilities and things like that because sometimes your perception of what gets you closer to winning the game doesn't always do that. And the best example is when a team kicks a field goal in the red zone to go up six points at the end of a game. Like They're actually making themselves closer to losing that game than winning it because then the opposing team is going to shoot for a touchdown on their way back down. And any, anyway, so that sort of gives you an example. What I came up with is that the other night against New Orleans, there were two very key decisions by Mike Zimmer that you could either question or really dive into that are, that are tough calls. One is with 30 seconds left and two timeouts not being more aggressive. If the Vikings had been able to cut that lead down from four to one at halftime, they would have had a much better chance of winning the game statistically, so they should have been more aggressive. The fourth down that they decided to go for on fourth and one was an extremely big play as far as swinging the result in that game, and maybe they should have actually decided to punt that one, even though most people think that analytics say go for it every time. They really don't when you're giving the ball back to the other team on your side of the field. So that being said, I looked into the bigger picture of some of these decisions with Mike Zimmer and found that maybe those two didn't work out his way but in large part, the Vikings very rarely punt on fourth down and one. They don't punt on fourth down and one on the other side of their field. Uh, they usually go for it. 
And most of the fourth down decisions that Mike Zimmer has made this year were the statistically correct ones to do. And the same goes for uh, most of the field goals that they've elected to kick. And even the challenges haven't really gone Zimmer's way this year. He's only challenged three times, but last year he was five for seven. So, you know, I think that uh, overall, there may have been some decisions worth questioning on the last game, but the Vikings have a, a, a solid head coach in game management. I think Mike Zimmer has improved quite a bit in that area. Tell us about the sign that the coach has posted in the quarterback's room, Matthew Collar. Well, Judd, I'm concerned because it's a very negative sign. So I'm uh, going to absolve you, like... son. Go ahead and tell us anyway. <laughs> You've got my blessing. Uh, Kirk Cousins mentioned today that Mike Zimmer put a sign in the quarterback's room uh, about the record that the Minnesota Vikings have when uh, they turn the ball over more than the other team and when they don't. Mm. And it's, as, as you would expect, a massive gap. But I think that that is a not-so-subtle way of saying to Kirk Cousins, because I don't think he's talking to Kyle Sloter or Trevor Simeon, that he needs the turnovers to stop. And so when we go into the debates over whether it was Diggs' fault or, or what have you, or if it's on the offensive line when he fumbled and, and so forth, I, I think that that right there is Mike Zimmer telling us exactly what he thinks, that the quarterback of the team has turned the ball over too many times, they're at the top of the league in uh, fumbles. They've had interceptable passes that weren't picked off, like one that was thrown directly into the hands of Manti Teo the other night. And if they're going to be a Super Bowl-caliber team, they can't have those big mistakes. And, I mean, that's the, that is the, the one thing that is truly holding back the offense from being an elite offense and from Kirk Cousins having this team with, with a much better record at this point is just, some of those big plays and they even won some games where there were some some big mistakes like in Arizona and uh in New York there was a near fumble uh but uh, you know I, I think it's it's quite clear that they need Kirk Cousins to not make that big mistake the next time they have a game against a, a big opponent which you know here you go NFC North game coming up yeah uh are we is it Dalvin Cook was limited technically in practice is there any percent chance they put him out there the week before a bye here or is it just smarter to go two more weeks and and see what happens in a couple weeks No I I mean I think that there is a chance yeah that that he does but that's going to entirely depend on these next two days uh the thing about you know Wednesday is you see that there were a number of guys who didn't practice today still Anthony Barr didn't uh, Stephon Diggs had a rib injury, and he didn't practice either today, but it, it doesn't tell us a whole lot about who's going to play. So if, if we get Delvin Cook practicing in full the next two days, then I would say, yeah, he must be healed and ready to go. But if he's still limited or doesn't practice, then the answer is no. And it's just really hard to tell with a hamstring injury. It's not one of those things where they can uh, tend to diagnose exactly how many weeks or, or days he's going to be out. I mean, this is the same injury that they thought – they could bring him back all the way in week four, and then we haven't seen him since. So, you know, I, I think that they could really use him, uh, especially to get the running back involved in the passing game. And with the fact that you just can't really rely on Laquan Treadwell and Aldrick Robinson is just another another guy that shows up once a game for a catch, they could use that other option aside from Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to scare teams in the passing game, and that's not going to be Latavius Murray. Do you think uh, Reef and Rhodes are back on Sunday, Matthew Collar? 
Well, I mean, put it under the, the we'll see category, but, you know, I know that they traded uh, Golden Tate, so I, I would guess that maybe Rhodes would be since he was questionable last, last week. But I know Detroit traded uh, Golden Tate, who has given the Vikings some fits in the past, but uh, Rhodes is still needed very, very much. Uh, Holton Hill did a nice job, but the, the Saints didn't really throw the ball after they got up 30-13. to 13. He's not going to be able to take on Marvin Jones one-on-one with – uh, Matthew Stafford with the arm that he has, then they will just abuse a rookie with a great receiver like Marvin Jones. I think he is the most underrated wide receiver in the entire NFL. I think he's fantastic. And Kenny Galladay's not a joke. So it's like they got rid of a good player, but it would be no different than if a good receiver got hurt for this team and they still had lots of weapons. They need Rhodes. I would guess that he does. And with Reef, uh, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. He was doubtful last week, so it, it's hard to say. But this week, I would say it's less vital that they have Riley Reef because you're facing a defense that doesn't really have edge pressure. I mean, that you needed him against the Saints. And, you know, the Saints, especially when a team is up in a game like that and they know you have to pass every time, I mean, they're just coming at 100%. And uh, it really showed on the tape how if the Vikings tackles face off with top-notch players on the edges, they're going to be in big trouble any any game that happens if they don't have Riley Reef. Uh, the, the Packers are saying that the trades they made yesterday were not intended to send messages to the locker room, but I've got to imagine when you trade Ty Montgomery after what happened on Sunday, it's not just coincidental. It's not like, oh, we happened to be close on a trade when all of that stuff happened at the end of the game. Uh, what did you make of, of the Packers pulling the trigger on a couple interesting trades, addition by subtraction, or are they sort of uh, punting in a way by, by uh, sending away HaHa Clinton Dix and Ty Montgomery? Well, I don't think they're punting because they're right there in the race. I mean, so there's no reason to just say, you know, buy, buy good players. And, you know, Dix's uh, play had dropped off since maybe two, three years ago. Uh, the Ty Montgomery thing, I think is a, I think it's a great message to send, honestly. Like, I, I mean, not only did he fumble on that play, which is one of the most asinine plays that I can remember of a guy bringing it out when Aaron Rodgers has the ball. Like, why would you ever risk anything when you're going to give it to the best quarterback in the NFL for that situation? But also, he blatantly ignored what his coaches asked him to do, which makes it twice as bad. So, I mean, I, I think that's probably the right move. And as soon as it happened, I think we all knew he was gone in one way or another. They also have a better running back in Aaron Jones that just needs to play more than uh, Ty Montgomery, a classic sort of flash-in-the-pan, half-a-season running back that we've seen many, many times, but really not that valuable of a player. And, you know, I, I think that that Packers team uh, probably does need a, a bit of a sort of wake-up call there because they can be a legit contender with their quarterback but not if they're going to make stupid uh, moves around him. So it kind of tells you also that Aaron Rodgers was really mad. And, and they, they, you know, the thing that amazes me, though, always is that they still have the same head coach in Mike McCarthy, <laughs> even though, yes. like, Aaron Rod- So is Rodgers playing GM now, getting rid of Ty Montgomery, but he can't play coach? I mean, I just I think about this all the time. If they had uh, a more effective head coach, how good that team might be. But, yeah, I, I actually think they probably – made uh, a good move getting rid of him, and the Dicks one must must be because they feel like they have uh, better depth in, in other areas. Is Detroit on, on the right track with Patricia Collar, or is this on on the verge of becoming a potential disaster again? Because 
This guy seems to me to, to be of the Belichick cloth, and we have seen continually, time after time after time, that doesn't necessarily work as your act. I, I wouldn't be stunned if Matt Patricia, uh, I mean, I, if he lost a bunch of games the rest of this year and ended up fired. I, I mean, if it ended up being like a one-and-done, like Josh McDaniels, and they just said, okay, this guy can't do it, and we got to punt on this move and, and go get somebody else who can. If you're having a meltdown about how a reporter is sitting in their seats by week seven of your head coaching career, I don't think you're long for this game. I mean, that team is three and four, and the guy is already blinking. I mean, he was showing a, a little bit of his inexperience just all the way back to OTAs. When you called it, Judd, you read the article about how he was making players run extra sprints and stuff, and you said this isn't going to work. Because one of the biggest problems is that these guys, they come in, they try to like change the culture, and I'm going to be Mr. Tough Guy, and I'm going to finally make you guys really work. But that's not ever what was really needed. What was really needed is a better defensive scheme in Detroit. And so far as I could tell, they haven't really gotten that either, the way that Russell Wilson uh, lit them up last week. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that that franchise has just always struggled with this, with finding – you know, head coaches, I mean, it seems like they go through them all the time. And, uh, you know, they had some success and stability with Jim Caldwell. And then, you know, they, they decided to move on from him hoping for better defense. And instead, they get a guy who might be a lunatic. So it's just, uh, I, I'm not so sure that, that he's fit for this. And, you know, this, this is the thing about the Vikings in, in this week is, that team has their coach flipping out in a press conference. They trade their number one wide receiver in receptions, who's a great player and who's who killed the Vikings in the past. Like, if you can't beat this team, then there's a problem because they are about as down as you're going to get, and they got to come to your building. Matthew, a coach that's with a new team that's trying to change the culture and be tough and talk about getting better on defense, and he was an assistant on a – Boston area team that won a championship. That sounds eerily familiar in this town. I don't, I mean, just call me crazy. It sounds eerily familiar. <laughs> I love Manny can't let it go. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, it does, it does bring up the, um, you know, the, the Belichick thing. And it's, 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 a, it's a classic thing that I would roll my eyes over. Wouldn't you guys over like the, um, is Belichick coaching tree and all that sort of stuff. I would kind of roll my eyes at that, but you know when it's guy after guy after guy who can't have any success anywhere he goes, mm-hmm. and Matt Patricia has a good quarterback here and still is only three and four. It just uh, it really does make you wonder if there's something to it. If the if all of these guys are missing something about the Belichick way, which is <clears throat> Thomas Brady, it helps. that's what they're missing. It helps football. Yes. Uh, go find Matthew's work on 1500ESPN.com, and also uh, he's got Purple Podcasts coming out anywhere you would find your favorite podcast. Sage Rosenfeld's episode out today. Matthew, we'll talk tomorrow, man. See you, Kyle. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Matthew Collar. Rich Gannon is coming up next. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check in on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, 35W northbound, we've got a crash in Minneapolis between Portland Avenue South and Highway 55. Get this, folks. 
28 minute delay. So if you are uh, headed in that direction, be on the lookout for that. Also, 35E southbound. We've got a seven minute delay in St. Paul. That's uh, because of a crash between University Avenue and 94. Third and five. Somehow, someway, that is caught by Adam Thielen. I mean, he gets everything. Oh, man. He reaches over P.J. Williams and somehow comes away with it. Runs up deep. Flea flicker. Cousins going deep. Wide open is Thielen to the 18. Man, uh, we're hoping to catch up with our, our buddy Rich Gannon for our weekly conversation. But in the meantime... Adam Thielen, I've got the latest here. Now, he's played an extra game compared to Michael Thomas has had a bye. So Thielen's played eight games. Michael Thomas has played seven. Julio Jones, seven. Devontae Adams, seven. So there's some really good receivers. Antonio Brown, seven. So there's some really good receivers that he's played an extra game on. But even then, if you were to give those guys, all right, we'll give you another huge game with like 10 catches and stuff, he'd still be in front. In catches, he has a 13-catch lead on the rest of the league with 74 catches. 13? A 13-catch lead on everybody else. Odell Beckham Jr. and Zach Ertz are tied at 61 catches. So let let that settle in for just a second. So he he is easily the biggest bargain in this league at any position right now, correct? I mean, I... I don't know. I'd have to see. Is but there a, quarter, is there a quarterback who's still being? I mean, I guess Mahomes Carson Wentz. is a bargain as well. Wentz. Yeah. Well, but go outside of quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Boy. Outside of quarterbacks. Because he's probably only the 25th or 30th highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, also, yardage. Huh. So, he, so he's he's the, the leading pass catcher. Yardage, he is 113 yards clear of the rest of the league. Julio Jones is second right now. Now Julio Jones has played one fewer game. Did I so. see? Did I see this statistic right? Julio Jones still does not have a touchdown catch this season. That is true. That's remarkable. Yeah, he's played half a season. Hasn't? Has How the hell yeah. do you play with that guy as your quarterback? He's pretty doggone good. He's not, and you don't have a touchdown catch. Nerd moment for Manny. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, if I remember, uh-huh. he was with the Buccaneers. I think it might have been two thousand one. He had like 105 or like 110 catches and one touchdown. Yeah, that, that was definitely a thing. <laughs> yes. Because he was, that was, fantasy football was really starting to pop, uh, online fantasy football. And he was the guy that you'd be so frustrated with because he'd get you 90 yards or 100 yards on a weekly basis. And I want to say that touchdown must happen in like week 15 or 16 or something. Yeah. It was really late in the season. I remember that, that now. Because, yeah, he finally caught one. i got to look it up now. Well, I, no, I, I'm doing that for you because okay. it feels like we've stumbled into another Manny Mastermind challenge here. <laughs> so, Called a masterminder. So just for fun. Nerd moment. Yeah. All right, you said the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was like 2000 or 2001. Okay. So let's go look at what week do you think, Keyshawn Johnson? I'm going to say it was late in the season, like. Week 15 or 16. It might have even been week 17. First of all, it was 2001. <laughs> and I need, a, I need a final answer on the week. <laughs> okay. What the hell? Week 17. Week six, 12. We got him. Was it week 12? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We destroyed okay. him on that. Yeah, <laughs> he, really, he failed miserably. And it was at home. I remember that. It was, the touchdown was at home. Why do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> against which team? AFC or NFC? Was it against an AFC team? <laughs> now he's just... 
Well, just well, now guess, you're, guess now you're, was it now you're guessing. Like the, was it against like the Jets or somebody? <laughs> the the Lions. It was it was okay. The Lions. It was okay. against the Lions. But it was at home. Uh, what else can you tell us about the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Who else? Uh, let's see here. So Keyshawn Johnson, you've got their leading pass catcher. Okay, who else? Who else were were big contributors to the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, that was Tony's last year. He got fired after they got beat by the Eagles in the playoffs. Hold on, let's verify this. Yeah, I'm 100 percent positive round? on that. Yeah. I think it was the might have been the wild card. Round. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Final score of that game? It was probably like twenty to three or something. Thirty-one to nine. Okay. Well, once it was again, a butt again you failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the leading rusher for the Buccaneers that season? Um. The, well, yeah. Was Warwick Dunn still there? Allstott was still there, obviously. Those were the two. They, they both ran for 450 and 600. Allstott was a nightmare for the yeah. Vikings. And the Gophers. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, when he was at Purdue. Purdue. You're right. Uh, was Keenan McCardell wasn't there yet, was he? He was on the Super Bowl team the next year. Nah, Keenan McCardell was not on that team. So he must have, he must have still been with the Jaguars then. I'm trying to think. Well, obviously, I mean, Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch and Rondé Barber were all on that team. On that defense, that defense was fantastic. Oh, you know, but who, it was just you know who else was on that defense? Was Simeon Rice there yet? I'm th- uh, yes. Okay. I'm thinking more about a guy who really enjoyed himself downtown Minneapolis, wandering around. Oh, Dwight. Yeah. Oh, Dwight Smith. Yep. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and come back. I think with Rich Gannon, and uh, also we'll wrap with Royce. It's Mackie and Judd. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Got in goal from the three. Little shovel to Kamara, and he will bend his way into the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah, that was not the best performance by the Minnesota Vikings, who uh, look to get back on track against the Lions this weekend. Rich Gannon is one of our favorites on this show, and we so that was a Drew. Technically, that was a Drew Brees touchdown pass, even though it was one of those little shovel passes that are becoming more prevalent. Rich, I'm looking at. I just have a ranking right now of the top quarterback ratings in the NFL, and the top three are all over the age of 36: Ryan Fitzpatrick, Drew Brees, and Philip Rivers. And I'm wondering, in your mind, what is the new quarterback prime in today's age of very loose rules offensively? Well, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick's got me concerned. i got to be honest with you guys. I, you know, I love Fitzmagic, and he's a great story. You know, a Harvard guy that's um, been on eight different teams or whatever it's been. And, you know, he's a gutsy guy. But the problem, the reason he's been on eight different teams is he's got a tendency to turn the football over yeah. in critical situations. Uh, you know, just... You know, there's a couple of young quarterbacks. I got a chance to see Patrick Mahomes play on Sunday. And, and uh, you know, I mean, look, I think Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, I think that's the future of our game. So I think we're – I would say there's we're in good hands in certain situations. But I just think the overall depth at that position, you know what I mean? And I'm just – I think talent and depth. I mean, not every team has – a premier quarterback. In fact, some teams, Cleveland and Buffalo and Arizona, and you know, a lot of these teams are still trying to figure out who who it is and who's the future. And in the meantime, they're firing head coaches and general managers. So, um, 
I think if you're the Vikings, they made a decision to, to move on from Case Keenum. And quite frankly, guys, I saw Case Keenum in action on Sunday, and he's regressed. I mean, he's turning the football over. I think he's turned the football over in every game this season. Uh, he's throwing interception in every game this season. I think yeah. he's got uh, – I think he's over 14 turnovers with fumbles and interceptions combined. And Yikes. so that's really what's holding him back. He, he did such a good job at last year. I think he was 11-3 and as a starter and had just, I think – seven interceptions and one a fumble. So um, that's a problem right now for the Broncos. So uh, Chiefs or Rams, which one do you have at this point, Rich Gannon? I'm going to say the Chiefs, and here's why. Um, I, I just think Mahomes is, is incredible. But I think they've got – look, I love Todd Gurley. Um, I love, uh, you know, uh, what Sean McVay has done with Jared Goff. But I just think when you look at – you look at Mahomes, you look at Kareem Hunt, you look at Tyreek Hill, you look at Travis Kelsey. Heck, their fourth option, Sammy Watkins. I mean, you know, you think about it. And here's why I, here's why I think they're, they're, you know, I'm anxious to see that game in a couple of weeks down in Mexico. But um, here's why I think they're a little bit better. I think their defense is, they were dead last going to, to the game last week, but their defense is trending in the right direction. They're getting better. They're getting healthier. They got a chance to get Eric Berry back. They got a chance to get Justin Houston back. I think he's back on the practice field week. Uh, Daniel Sorensen, another safety. So I think that, um, you know, when you look at the number one offense in football and the defense that's getting healthy, that could be, that could be scary. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL, the, the NFL feels fun and wide open. And for a while, it kind of felt for a few years like Seahawks and Patriots. And then there was a huge line. And, um, and now you've got this really fun mix of, of Rams and Chiefs, and I don't know. I, I told these guys the other day, Rich, you tell me if I'm wrong. I think there's about eight teams right now that it, that wouldn't shock me if any of the eight won the Super Bowl, and I still put the Vikings on that list of eight. Would you put the Vikings on a list of teams that can win the Super Bowl? I would. I, I think, you know, I think, you know, they're they're in a position now where I think this division is, is going to be pretty tight. You know, I, when you look at this North, I, I think, you know, a team could come out of the North, you know, Nine and seven, ten and six, win a division, and, and you know, maybe do some damage in the postseason. When I look at the AFC East, the Patriots—that's that's a that's a done deal. I mean, they've they've owned—I think they're fifteen and fifteen and two in the last seventeen years in terms of uh, division titles. So they're going to run away with that. I think the North—you know—you got to look at Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I think it'll come down to those two teams. Um, you look at the AFC South. I think Houston will run away with that. You look at the AFC West. Um, I think the Chiefs and Chargers, although I think the Chiefs are the better team and will win that division. You look at the NFC East, I think the Redskins guys are going to win that division. I think they've got, they've got the best quarterback right now. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Alex Smith, he, he's the best quarterback in football when it comes to ball security. He just doesn't turn it over. And the defense is playing better. I think you look at the uh, NFC West, and I think you know um, the Rams will win that one. Although Seattle is a team that's really coming on, they've won three of the last four. I think you look at the NFC South. I think clearly the best team in that division is the Saints, although the Panthers are dangerous. Um, and then you look at the North, and you say, "Wow, is it?" You know, I, I think the Bears are still a year away. Personally, the Detroit, Detroit Lions can't get out of their way, and the Packers and Vikings. I mean, I hate to say it, but it will probably come down to these two teams once again. And then, Rich, you've got the Cleveland Browns. Jeez, <laughs> oh, we have to go there. Oh, it's ab- almost offensive. Yeah. It's a dinner hour. People are driving home, guys. Listen to the show. We should. We, we should have to. Go. I think we should bleep it out every time we say Cleveland Browns, so the FCC doesn't find us. They'll I don't just... want anybody. To, I don't want anybody to get a car accident going home. But that's exactly what that is. But I mean, think about this. 
And again, this is off the top of my head. I think I think Hugh Jackson was three thirty six and one. Is that correct? I think that it's was the record. the three is correct before the season. Or, or yeah, including this season. Yeah, yeah. So three thirty six <laughs> and one. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. So they're dead last in point difference. Uh, they're dead last in. Uh, I'm sorry. They're they're dead last in point differential. They're dead last in uh, scoring differential. They're dead last in. Uh, uh, sack differential. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just go down the, lot, the, the list. They're, they're dead last in just about every category. They haven't won a home game in 25. It's been 25 road games. In the, they, I'm sorry, road games. So they're 25 games in the road. So the two Jacksons never won a road game as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That's amazing. They're not even competitive. And here's the craziness. Not only do they fire the head coach, they fire the offensive coordinator, uh, Todd Haley, and they've got a rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield. So what do they do? In their infinite wisdom, they promote uh, Freddie Kitchens, the tight ends coach, he's never called a game at the professional level or the college level. Oh, my God. And so now you've got this young quarterback that, that, that's got no chance. I just got done watching him on film. It's, it's unwatchable. And you know who you know what I put it all on? It's the owner. Jimmy Haslam listens to everybody except people inside the building. He listens to everyone outside the building, and that's been a big problem since he bought that team in 2012. I mean, we we actually had a great conversation earlier in the show about the state of the Minnesota Timberwolves and how they're dysfunctional, not Browns dysfunctional, but pretty close. And how so people rip on Carl Anthony Towns, this seven footer, amazing big man and and how he's soft. And I said, well, if you put him with the San Antonio Spurs or you put him with Brad Stevens and the Celtics, I think I, I think circumstances have to be taken into consideration. And every time I see a quarterback get drafted by the Browns, and now it's Baker Mayfield, how can you not think, well, that's not going to turn out well for this person's career? And I wonder what it would turn out like if they had Andy Reid or if they had Bill Belichick. You know, it's just there's there's no chance for 20 years. There's been no chance for any of those quarterbacks. It's been a revolving door with quarterbacks and coaches and play callers and general managers, and it's it's really dysfunctional and it's. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, so much of what happens at the quarterback position is predicated by what's going on around them. In other words, you know, they have a good offensive line, a good running game. You know, is not only that, but you have to ask yourself: is it's not just whether the young quarterback's ready to play? Is the team ready for a young quarterback? And the answer in Cleveland is no. And unfortunately for Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's in a he's thrown right into this situation where you know, Greg Williams. I just saw Greg Williams, the interim head coach. He said he had 11 offers to be a head coach. Like, okay. If you believe that, I've got you know I've got some land. I'll say you, you know just just I mean it's just insane. I mean it's, it's it's bizarre, and you know it's that's a that's a disaster. That is a disaster. And what happens unfortunately? So Baker Mayfield will struggle through the season. His confidence will probably be you know an all time low. He'll probably throw more picks and interceptions. And then, and then what happens is then they'll bring in a new coach, a new system next year. So he he's not able to build on anything he did in year one. And then, then the cycle kind of re- repeats itself. And you look at you mentioned Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. These guys have been with the same play caller their entire career. Think about that. Tom Brady's been in New England 19 years. Now they had Charlie Weiss. He left. They promoted Josh McDaniels. He left. They brought, promoted Bill O'Brien. Bill left, and they brought Josh back. So it's the same system. And then you look at Drew Brees and Sean Payton have been together forever. And Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers is the only coach he's ever had. And I just you know that's why. That's so important, and if you keep changing that that up, then you never develop the continuity. Denny Green did that, guys. I mean, he he kept on, you know, he had a good team, 
and he was a pretty good personnel evaluator, but he couldn't develop the quarterback position. He kept on getting rid of guys, you know, and um, that's why they never won it. Only to pour more salt on the wound of dysfunction of the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson, and I don't know if you guys knew this, Hugh Jackson is the uh, sixth consecutive Browns coach to be fired after the second matchup with the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers well, of that season. That's a trigger so, point, then. Six times in a row <laughs> after the second Steelers game that a coach has been fired by the so Browns. So what you're saying is maybe they ought to petition New York and maybe ask you know, to be to be let out of that division and maybe just not play the Steelers twice a year. Maybe yeah. just once a year would be enough. I'm exactly. sure I'm sure it'll go better if they can get to the AFC East and then they have to play the Patriots <laughs> twice a year. Well, that'd be great for That'd be nice. Yep. Man. Uh, Rich, where do you got this weekend? I am heading to Seattle. I've got the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Chargers. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just watching some of these guys. Philip Rivers is still, he's still lighting it up. I mean, he's got no mobility for the pocket. He just sits in there, but he is... I said he, I, I just made a comment in my notes. I think he's the best quarterback thrown from a muddy pocket, if that makes any sense. In other words, he, he can't move to his left or his right. He just sits in there, and they've got bodies in his face, arms, you know, elbows. You know, it's just it's and all these distorted views. And he just sits in there, and he just doesn't even doesn't even phase him. He makes really good throws down the field. They've got some really good receivers. And the other guy, Russell Wilson. I just had my producer. I said, I want you, here's what I want you to do. We're doing Russell Wilson this week, and I'm watching Russell Wilson against the Lions, and he's making them look foolish. I said, I want you to grab a, a clip of Russell Wilson scrambling. I want you to grab a clip of T- Fran Tarkenton scrambling and a clip of Roger Stallback scrambling. We'll put them all together because that's who he reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good company right, right there, Rich Cannon. It is. That's it, not a bad company. And it actually, I, it, 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 they've had some bad offensive lines, and he is he is duct tape for bad offensive lines, almost without, to the point. Yeah, with, without without him, that team would be would be, would be bad. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to uh, to it this weekend, and we'll catch up again next week, Rich. See you, Rich. You guys are the best. Thanks, Rich. All right, Rich Gannon, former Viking, former MVP with the Oakland Raiders. This Brown stuff is just so <laughs> rich and delicious to talk about. I so enjoy it. I wonder what it's like if you're sitting there in Cleveland right now, if you're still high off that Cavs championship from a couple years ago. Because you, remember, you had the Cavs in the finals every year and LeBron – and the Indians were in the World Series yeah. and on the verge of beating the Cubs up three games to one. And wah, wah. I wonder if, if Glenn Taylor and Haslam have ever had a discussion. <laughs> Glenn, I'd like you to meet Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy Meek. Oh, they'd hit it off, wouldn't they? <laughs> you know how great our franchises are? Oh, it's great to be. It's great to own a team. How do you specifically shipwreck your franchise? Well, <laughs> let's have dinner tonight. We wrap with Roycey when we come back, and that will include... The Twins, an interesting name for their pitching coach, a candidate that popped up. Uh, And also, I think there might be an interesting idea for the next Timberwolves coach, if you guys are open-minded and if Pat's open-minded. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, pay attention, folks. We've got crashes all over the metro right now, and uh, I'll give you a few of them. So pay attention. Uh, and if you're out there in these areas, just be careful before we wrap with Royce here. 35W southbound. We've got a crash in Minneapolis. Extra 12 minutes there. That crashes between Washington and 3rd Street. Highway 100 northbound in St. Louis Park between Excelsior and West 36th Street. An extra 11 minutes there. 169 northbound. We've got a 14-minute delay. That's because of a crash uh, in Hopkins between Highway 212 
and Londonderry Drive and 62 westbound. We've got a crash near Mendota, an extra 12 minutes there near that uh, Highway 55-62 interchange. So drive carefully, folks. Thank you, Manny. We wrap with Royce every day. Pat, I think it was Dan Hayes that threw this name out as a Twins pitching coach candidate. Yes, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Charles Nagy. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's kicked around. He's, he's got to be 60, doesn't he? Boy. Uh, wait, he was on the mound in 97. So uh, how long? How, he's probably in no, his he's 50s. Not he's not, yeah, he's in his 50s. Well, that wouldn't be part of our youth movement, would it? But uh, I, I have no idea. Maybe he and Baldelli have some kind of a connection. But uh, this might be a manager that they actually let choose a couple of his coaches. So that would well, be uh, nice. So, he's just anyways, 51 years old. I got a old. question for you, too. Yeah. We just said we're having a viewing party for college football from 12 to 2. Yeah. On Saturday, so we want to make sure everybody's out of there before they might have to see Illinois and the Gophers play each other. <laughs> and that's and that's when we Judd's don't want gonna, anybody to go blind watching that. Stuff. And that's that's, a, that's when Judd is going to belly up to the bar and start drinking <laughs> uh, prolifically, Patrick. Okay, well, uh, unbelievable. Maybe Lovey can get the Maryland job. Man alive, what a mess! How about that? Gophers comes back. Uh, what? Yesterday and he's gone at five thirty this afternoon. So. Yeah. Well, how did they what not? How how did they when the board of regents decided to bring Durkin back? How did somebody not walk in and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'm if sure you, somebody did." Yeah. They thought they were they they listened to his BS how he was going to change his behavior or something and uh, hey I think when the father of the kid who uh, passed away said that felt like he got kicked in the stomach and somebody spit in his face. That started it and it was not going to uh, turn around. What a bunch of idiots they are. And they've had a screwed up athletic department for 25 years. That Debbie Yao was their, was their uh, AD for a while. She was an idiot. They can, they, they're like hugely in debt. And then they uh, joined the Big Ten, and they had to pay $50 million to get out of the ACC. And they're still, even with the Big Ten money, they're hugely in debt there. So. Yeah. Uh, and now, they, now they're going to, I don't know, I suppose, are they going to try to fire this guy with cause? they got to pay him, too, because they gave him a big contract. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a mess. Hey, this this is a story that came across, I think it was a couple days ago now, but Rick Patino wants back in the NBA, Pat. Oh yeah, I, I feel like that. a Patino coming. Patino monopoly in town here could be on oh, the horizon. Don't, don't bet against it. Don't bet against it. He'll, that's to me. I I read that and I said, uh oh, he, he figures that I was going to get fired and he can sneak in here because these guys won't have a better idea on who to call hire, right? <laughs> no. So I I wouldn't bet against it. I would not bet against it. Glenn would do it for sure, Patrick. Well, somebody talked him into it, yeah. sure. Actually, somebody okay. Somebody said, hey, this would be a good idea. What would be better, though? If you had both Patinos in town, wouldn't you rather have Rick coaching the Gophers and uh, put Richie and, <laughs> and Ryan Saunders together coaching the Timberwolves? Uh, no, I, I think I do think Rick Patino's a hell of a coach, but he's a, you know, and you can be as untrustworthy as you possibly, you can be the cheatingest son of a gun that ever lived in the NBA, so I'd want him there. <laughs> I'd want him there rather than going on a hundred years probation, you know. So, uh, no, have him. Uh, but you know what? These guys won't play defense now. Do you think they're going to like to have a full court press? <laughs> he presses everybody. You know, the Knicks 
pressed for about a year for him, and then said, the hell with this. We're not going to do this anymore. And that's what ended up being his failure. Yeah. But uh, now you guys, what what trade do you want? You don't want the Houston trade, I hope. I want the Miami trade. Yeah, I do too. Josh yeah. Richardson, and if they could if they could and, pitch and, in a first round pick or something, that'd be nice. But uh, Richardson and the old Kelly Olnick, the money works. I'd, I'd make that trade. But Houston, four number ones. The first two are twenty seven. You know, uh, they they give you nothing. Uh, you don't know how they're going to be five years from now. But the first two number ones are are worthless, and they want to give you Brandon Knight. For what's he, he's making fifteen million and he can't play dead in a cowboy movie. He's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, they, you can't make that trade. They if they want to give you Capella, then I talk to him. The other so. two first round picks are like twelve years old right now too because they're in two thousand twenty five. We might not even uh, you know we might not have a franchise. But. We talked about it because of Ted Stepien. If Ted Stepien hadn't been an idiot, then yeah. we could get four yeah, consecutive but, but, picks. But with this club, you Houston, you'd rather have picks six years from now than now because they're going to be, even though they're one and five now, they're going to end up picking 27th, you know. So uh, you're going to end up with the fourth best record in the league. There, you know, those draft choices are useless. The only, uh, you know, the only thing that might help is maybe make, you know, Miami got hammered at home by Sacramento the other day. This might be the time to to make that deal, but I don't know. I can't, Patrick, I can't wait for tonight. I I was going to go home and watch the game on the couch, and now I'm ambulance chasing 1,000%. They're going to cheer Ricky. They're going to boo Tibbs. It's going to be glorious tonight. It's going to be toxic. Here's what I do. I put, it's Halloween, right? Yep. Yep. Put up Kogi in Jimmy Butler's uniform and announce that it's Jimmy. You know, have him run out there in his Halloween uniform, right? And have him be, uh, have him pretend like he's Jimmy. It's Halloween. It'll be great. You've got a similar hairstyle. Similar hairstyle. Might be able to pull it off. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, they are very similar. Uh, Pat, since it it is Halloween and we've got, Manny's got the Nike Michael Myers hooded sweatshirt on today. (laughs) Okay. uh, Are you, are you a horror, you're a horror movie guy a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, not really. The original Halloween was great, but uh, I, and you know, as a kid, I used to watch all of them. But I'm not a, you know, I don't go out of my way to watch them. The new one that just came out this year, Pat, is really good. Actually, I went to see it. Which one? The the latest Halloween that just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's actually but really it, good. So it's not a remake. Is it a sequel? It's, it's a direct sequel to the original movie. Completely movie, disregarding like the horror, all the previous sequels. The horror movies I like are the like the, the one last year. The 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 satire on racism. What the hell was? Oh, get out, the, get out, get out, get out. Was so good, fantastic. yeah, fantastic. I like that. Yeah. Get out was great. That's the kind of stuff I like. But uh, not uh, not. I'm not a real horror horror movie. Ever since I went to the Black Sleep when I was about nine years old, I've been traumatized by that. <laughs> Don't ever watch the Black Sleep, man. Did you ever? Did, did you have a basement down there? And when they get out of that basement, man, it's creepy. Yeah. Did you do? You, did you watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre when you were younger? Yeah, I made about eight minutes. You know, I don't like. I don't like people getting cut up with chainsaws. It, it frightens me. So I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a big. Now Mel Jazz's matinee movies, the ones where they had like. Dominoes walking across the prairie to stomp on you. Those, those, they don't mind the comic ones, but the ones that the ones that create lots of blood. I'm not a big fan.
Yeah. Uh, Black Christmas is another one from the the mid seventies. The first ever movie where the phone call was coming from inside the house. How about Tremors? I like Tremors. The Tremors one, the way the the big leeches, worms are sucking people into the yeah. ground. Have you Tremors ever seen was that good. one. The, ca- the, ca- the Kevin Bacon one, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, you got to stand on a rock. Otherwise, you're going to get sucked down into the sand. It was pretty yeah. good. Hey, Pat, 30, s- 30 seconds left. What are you giving away at the Royce home if kids stumble up to the door tonight? Oh, I just went over and bought uh, about another 40 bucks worth because it's a nice night. So I figure we'll get a pretty good turnout, but I might just put everything out. Side and let them grab it so I don't have to mess with them yelling at me trick or treat. I'd <laughs> shut the lights off and lock the doors no. and act like I'm not home. No, That's... I used to love Halloween, man. Get yourself a gin and tonic the size of Judd's head and walk around with the kids. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I loved it. God. All right, see you, Pat. <laughs> The funny thing about what Judd just said is that's 100% what he would be doing if he wasn't going ambulance chasing it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shut the house down. See you tomorrow. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350 3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.